So two weeks ago, we began a new series of messages that I call Buried Treasure, and it's some contemplation on a parable that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 13, verses 43 and 44, and I want to remind you of it. Jesus, in giving a series of parables on the kingdom of God, told this one. He said, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy he went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. So the kingdom of God is like a treasure that is hidden in a field, and the way we find it is by seeking it. Remember Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. I believe that's the way that we can find true joy and lasting happiness, is if we find the buried treasure of the kingdom of God within us and among us. Now many times we associate happiness and joy with our circumstances. Happiness depends on happenings. But what if the kingdom of God is an inside job and not an outside condition? In other words, how about we look internally first before we try to rearrange or control our exterior circumstances? What if we come to the realization that the kingdom of God, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 14, 17, is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is something that comes as a well that springs up from within. So we are asked to look inside. Many times we're afraid to look inward. It's so much less threatening than looking at the outward and saying, this is wrong and that is wrong, and if this would change or that would change, then I would find joy and happiness. But you heard what Jesus said to the Pharisees in Luke 17, 21. The kingdom of God is within you. Some translations say among you or in your midst. Nonetheless, Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is not something that's waiting a future date. It is something that is available right now. So today, in our search for this buried treasure, we are talking about savoring an opportunity. Built into the fabric of this parable is the opportunity for the man to obtain the treasure. Somehow this man came to know that there's a treasure that is buried in this field. Now, we're not given any details on how he had this information or knowledge. But notice what he does. He seeks out a legitimate and a legal way to obtain the treasure. Now, he could have tried to sneak into the field at night and steal the treasure, but Jesus did not say, sneak ye first the kingdom of God, did he? He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So he seeks out this opportunity to obtain the treasure forthrightly, and the way that he does it is he sells everything that he has because he knows that the treasure in the field is worth more than anything that he owns. Now, that sounds a bit risky to me, doesn't it, to you? 
to sell everything that you have, put it all on eBay, and get rid of everything so that you can obtain the treasure that's hidden in the field. How many of us would do that? Probably not too many of us. But this man does. He seeks this treasure, and he decides he's going to use this opportunity to seek something of great value. Now, some of the greatest moments in life that we have are moments of opportunity that come upon us, and we have a choice. We can savor that opportunity and take advantage of it, or we can let it pass by and miss out. So Esty and I have been kind of looking around the past couple of months because we wanted to get a new couch for our family room. And so we went looking at all the usual places, right? You know, Levin's and some of the other furniture stores. And they didn't have what we wanted, or it was completely overpriced. So we just kind of shelved it, and we said, well, when we run across it, we'll run across it, and we'll know it. So yesterday, we were going out to run some errands, and I had been told about the furniture warehouse on Tyler Boulevard. Have any of you seen that? Okay. So we ventured into the furniture warehouse on Tyler Boulevard, and lo and behold, what we were looking for was right there. Now, you don't know Esty and I, uh, maybe in our shopping habits, but we rarely buy something immediately. We go over and we wring our hands and we think about it, and then we go back and many times it's gone. Well, yesterday there was this other couple, and wouldn't you know it, they sat down on this same couch. And they, as we eavesdropped, sounded like they wanted to buy it. So we had a choice to make. Are we going to purchase this because we were already talking to the salesperson? Or are we going to let it go by and maybe that's the only one they have? Now you'd be very proud of us because we savored the opportunity and we took advantage of it and we bought it. I don't think we did anything to crowd out the other couple from getting that because I do think they had more than one. However, if we would have gone home and gone back Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's likely that it wouldn't be there. So what I'm telling you this morning is in life you have opportunities. And when those opportunities come along, you have a choice. Will you take advantage of it? Maybe you'll take a step of faith, or maybe fear sets in. Sometimes when opportunities come along, many times questions fill our mind. What if I fail? What if I look stupid in the process? What if I'm criticized for taking this chance? And many times we miss out on the joy and happiness that this opportunity can provide for us simply because our own internal world is too afraid to take a step. Sometimes in life, 
opportunities come along and we miss out those opportunities because of our own internal fears, our own internal self-doubt. And so in this parable, what we have is an opportunity to kind of overcome our fear and uncertainty that comes along in life. I think when it comes to finding the buried treasure, which Jesus says is the kingdom of God among you, and incidentally, I'm not saying a new couch is the kingdom of God among us. I'm just using that as an illustration. However, what we find is that there are two things I want to tell you about, and you can follow along. There's an outline there in your liturgy of where I'm going with the message. I want to tell you two things in the next few moments. I want to tease this out a little bit. Here are the two things. We savor an opportunity when we know that opportunity is happening. In other words, the ability to savor the moment as it's happening. Number two, the ability to say thank you for the opportunity to the one who made it possible. Now, you heard the story. The first story was of ten lepers, and then the second story uh, was of the Pharisees asking Jesus about the kingdom of God. I'm going to flip-flop those. I'm going to take the second story first, and then come back to the ten lepers. So, the ability to savor the moment as it is happening. So what we're told here in Luke 17, verse 20 and 21, that the Pharisees come asking a question about the kingdom of God. And they have something very specific in mind that they are thinking about. They are thinking about the type of kingdom that would overthrow the Roman Empire. You see... The Jewish people had labored under foreign power for years, centuries, all the way back to Babylon, Babylon, Medo-Persia, um, and, and what we find is Greece then comes into play, and then finally Rome. And so we're talking about centuries that these people have longed to get out from under the thumb of their oppressor. Well, the Pharisees questioned Jesus and his kingdom. Remember, Pilate did the same thing. They wanted to know if, when the kingdom of God would arrive. Now, they are thinking politically, and Jesus comes up with this answer that probably would have surprised them. The kingdom of God is among you. It's in your midst. It's within you. And that might be very confusing to them because they're thinking kingdom as a political entity rather than a spiritual opportunity. So the Pharisees hoped that if the Jews would return to obeying the law, then the kingdom of God would come. The zealots thought if the Jews would just take up arms and fight, the kingdom of God would come. There would be others that would look for various signs as uh, Jesus mentions here, he mentions the fact that there are some that think that the kingdom will come with your careful observation, but yet at the same time, they miss this opportunity that Jesus was holding out to them. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within your grasp. The kingdom of God is right here, right now, but it's not about controlling other people. It's not about voting in the right political party. It's not about keeping out the wrong people. It's not about any of those things. It's actually about something 
that is baked into the created order in which we live. And that is there are opportunities that arise on a regular basis where we celebrate that life is meant to be lived and enjoyed. When God created the first human beings, he creates Eden, we read that poem, Eden, and he tells Adam, Eve, the first human beings, to multiply and to enjoy. There are many things in life that are just right if we will keep our eyes open and observe them. And most of us, most of the time, when it's something big enough, we'll celebrate it. For example, some of the things that all of us observe are things like a wedding day or the birth of a child, a special vacation, a special achievement, a unique opportunity of some sort, building a house, uh, whatever it may be. However, most of the time, most of the time, life is lived in the daily moments, isn't it? It's not about weddings every day or having children every year. What it is, is taking the opportunities that are in front of us and savoring them as they come. These moments might be high points, or they might just be average, but we can savor the opportunity. So back in 2016, my son Brent and I went to the first game of the World Series between the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago Cubs. That's one of those high points, right? It's one of those great moments to celebrate because Corey Kluber pitched a shutout. The Indians won that first game 6-0, to zero, and let's not talk about the rest of the series, okay? However, <laughs> however, that was just one of those special moments to celebrate. However, I'm going to tell you the truth. When Brent was a little guy, he played in uh, recreational baseball, and I enjoyed every game of recreational baseball as much as I did that World Series. Because it was there that I got to see my son play ball, or a grandson, or a granddaughter, or a daughter. And you savor those moments in life because they are gifts. They are gifts that are given to us. You hear me say this all the time. Life is a gift and love is the point. And when you get to that, you begin to see a little bit of the kingdom of God, don't you? It begins to unfold before you. This is what life is about. It's about loving people. It's about celebrating this gift that has been given to each and every one of us. We certainly can savor the past, right? I'll always see that as a high mark of going to a World Series game with my son. We certainly savor the past, but we can savor the present as well. These moments observed in real time today. And obviously, we anticipate savoring things in the future as well. It can become an anticipation. Someday, the Indians, soon to become the Guardians, might go to the World Series again. And we might root them on and try to win a series this time. We will savor that when it comes, but we have a life to live today. Do we see it? Can we see it? Do we savor the opportunities in the moment? 
So there's this letter that is written by Richard Branson. You might know him. He just went up into space. He's an English business magnate, an investor, an author, and on July 11th, he took flight with a lady named Beth, another uh, named uh, Sersha and Colin, and they reached the edge of space, or 53 miles, on Virgin Galactic spacecraft called the, S, uh, the VSS Unity. This made him the first billionaire founder of a space company to travel to the edge of space. Now, I have kind of my own opinion about whether we should be spending all that kind of money to send civilians in space. We'll put that aside. He wrote a letter, this is a couple years back, that I think hits the point. It's to a stranger, this letter goes, Dear Stranger, so many people get caught up in doing what they think will make them happy, but in my opinion, this is where they fail. Happiness is not about doing, it is about being. In order to be happy, you need to think uh, consciously about it. Don't forget the to-do list, but remember to write a to-be list. If you allow yourself to be in the moment and appreciate the moment, happiness will follow. I speak from experience. We built a business empire, joined conversations about the future of our planet, attended many memorable parties, and met many unforgettable people. And while these things have brought me great joy, it's the moments that I stop just to be rather than do that have given me true happiness. Why? Because allowing yourself just to be put things into perspective. Try it. Be still. Be present. For me, it's watching the flamingos fly across Nectar Island at dusk. It's holding my new grandchildren's tiny hands. It's looking up at the stars and dreaming of seeing them up close one day. It's listening to my family's dinnertime debates. It is the smile on a stranger's face, the smell of rain, the ripple of a wave, the wind across the sand. It is the first snowfall of winter and the last storm of summer. There's a reason we're called human beings and not human doings. As human beings, we have the ability to think and move and communicate in a heightened way. We can cooperate, understand, reconcile, and love. That's what sets us apart from most other species. Don't waste your human talents by stressing about nominal things or that which you cannot change. If you take the time simply to be and appreciate the fruits of life, your stresses will begin to dissolve and you will be happier. But don't just seek happiness when you're down. Happiness shouldn't be a goal, it should be a habit. Take the focus off of doing and start being every day. Be loving, be grateful, be helpful, and be a spectator to your own thoughts. Allow yourself to be in the moment and appreciate the moment. Take the focus off everything you think you need to do and start being. I promise you, happiness will follow. Happy regards, Richard Branson. Makes a good point, doesn't it? Many times we get so busy that we stop to, to slow down. We don't slow down to observe and savor the opportunities of that day. So that's number one. Number two, the ability to say thank you for the opportunities to the one who made it possible. So in that first story, there's a story of ten lepers 
10 outcasts in society in Leviticus 13, 45, and 46. We're told that this unattractive skin disease called leprosy uh, prescribed quarantine. We all know what that's about, don't we? We've been doing it for over 18 months, kind of isolating and quarantine because of the pandemic. But these individuals were outcasts. They give recognition, though, to the fact that Jesus is a miracle worker, and they see Jesus coming by on the edge of Samaria and Galilee, and they cry out to him, and he responds by telling them to go show themselves to the priest. And as they travel toward the temple, where they will show themselves to the priest, their leprosy clears up. Now, the reason they are going to the, the priest is so that the priest can declare them clean and they can get clearance to come back into the community because basically they are isolated except for those that also have leprosy. And so what we find is that as they go toward the temple area, they're cleansed, but they keep on going except there is one. There's one that turns around and goes back to Jesus. And as he goes back to Jesus, he has this pulling, this feeling, this prompting in his heart to say, thank you. Thank you to Jesus for what he had done. One came back praising God in a loud voice. One came back throwing himself before Jesus to give him thanks. Because this healing did not just come about randomly. It came about because of Jesus. It's Jesus' miracle working power that cleansed their skin. And so what we find is this one man is touched by love and grace, and he's unable to live in any other way than to go back and say, thank you. Thank you. You have been given opportunities in your life some of them have been self-created by your wisdom and your talent. But you also have been given opportunities that other people have made possible for you. Other people opened a door. Other people introduced you to someone else. Other people helped you accomplish a goal. And this story of the ten lepers is a good reminder that one of the ways that we savor an opportunity is not only to take advantage of it when it comes along, but also to say thank you to those who made it possible, to those who gave us a chance, to those individuals that encouraged us on, to those individuals that gave us maybe good critique or maybe some advice. You know, gratitude is part of the act of savoring an opportunity. The Christian writer G.K. Chesterton had the right idea when he said, we need to get into the habit of taking things with gratitude and not taking things for granted. It's a good word, isn't it? Not taking things for granted. Barbara Brown Taylor, in her beautiful sermon on this same text, agrees that 
the nine were fulfilling expectations and doing their duty. The nine did not do anything wrong. They did what Jesus told them to do. Nine of them behaved like good lepers, good Jews. But there was only one, a Samaritan, the one that was an outcast, that behaved like a man in love. And he turned around and went back and said thank you to Jesus. Gratitude is a social emotion. You know, this does not mean when we seek out the kingdom of God that life is going to be perfect. We all know this. We know that there are burdens and complaints and hassles that we have every week in our life. But a part of gratitude is not just to say thanks for the big things, the World Series games, the weddings, and child, children that are born. No, it's taking advantage to say thank you for the small things as well. So as I conclude, I want to ask you, are you savoring your opportunities? And are you saying thank you to the people that help make it possible? It's easy to take things and people for granted. And we may never know if and when that same type of opportunity will come again. This might be the moment that we take, op take, the, uh, take the advantage of that opportunity. So in your uh, liturgy, I have a closing thought. And maybe this is what we give thanks for here today. There's so many more things, but you, will you stand with me? And this will be my closing thought. We savor life and are grateful for our parents who chose to bring us into this world. We savor love and are grateful for those who accept us unconditionally. We savor learning and we are grateful for those who share their wisdom and knowledge. We savor legacy and are grateful that we can touch the future by pouring our lives into others. And we savor the Lordship of Jesus, who has conquered sin and death, and we are grateful for the eternal assurances that we have that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. So maybe... These five things that I've listed here today is a good thing for all of us to meditate on because you know what? Thanksgiving is not too far away. It's not to be a one-day thing. But Thanksgiving is an opportunity that we have each and every day. Let's savor the opportunity. Let's make sure we say thanks to those who help make that opportunity possible. Let's pray as we close. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for the opportunity that we had today to learn of this wisdom. And we pray, Father, that it will help us in the process of living our life this week. We thank you for your many good gifts. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to enjoy this time of the year, to enjoy the people around us, to have the opportunity to be able to help others when we see it occurring. We pray, Father, for your blessing upon this day and this week ahead. 
I pray all of these things in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said together, Amen. I hope you have a great, great day. See you soon.